guys. I am so fucking tired of doing this. I think I'm just going to go flip burgers. Are you? Why are you tired? Let's hear it. Spill it. I need help. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure you guys know. I mean, maybe not Luke, but the other Luke. It's like, where are all the people? Where, where are all the guys that get up in the morning, put their fucking boots on and want to go to work and make money? Doug, do you think they're out starting businesses or do you think there's just less of them out there that like just the laborers and operators? It's not even the operators because everybody thinks they're an operator. That's true. Everybody wants to be an operator. The only person I've ever met in my life that doesn't want to be an operator is you. Literally. Yeah. So everybody I meet, everybody who comes to work here wants to be an operator. Every single person thinks that they, you know, they're just gonna they're just gonna jump in the seat and they're gonna do operator things. And you're not. You're just not, especially in my company. There's two yeah. very good operators already here. And what we need is people in the ditch, people in the trucks. We don't need people in the machines. So I tell people when they start, everybody here does everything. Yeah. I spend 80% of my day, my day in the ditch, literally in the ditch, not even in the machine. And that goes in one ear and out the other about a month into employment. What's the, what's the ratio typically like in your business, Doug, from labor to operator? Like how many laborers do you need for every operator? So my business is very different. We're, for example, I've got a, I've got a three-year-old Kubota 80 yep. that just broke a thousand hours. I've got a five or six-year-old cat skid steer that just broke 700 hours. We aren't a very equipment heavy day-to-day business. Mm-hmm. We have it because it's what we do, but a majority of our business is, is other things septic pumping, emergency work, mechanical work. I mean, we'll go and rebuild a lift station or something and we don't touch a machine for a week. Yeah. So everybody wants, you know, everybody, nobody seems to realize that. It's not all, you know, not like, not like Luke Payne's business where they go and dig a gigantic hole for two weeks and everybody and their mother gets seat time. We don't, I can't tell you the last foundation I dug. Mm. Do you guys not do a lot of like just excavation? Is it more kind of geared towards like that? Like Luke always says that niche market to where, you know, like your lift stations for here, we wouldn't even touch a lift station just because that is not our realm. But obviously you guys are more geared to like the pumping, the septic pumping, you know, the more specialized services, right? Yeah, we're, we're more of a specialized, we're more of a specialized, that's exactly it. We're more of a specialized business. We, we aren't, we do excavation, but it's not our main business. Yeah, our main business is the sewer and water industry. Yeah, and that, that requires a lot of plumbing and a lot of wrenching and a lot of brain power. Where a business like yours is all seat time. Doug, in your case, everybody wants to be that operator because that's like that glorified position. I feel like, but yet they don't have the experience to do it. And like you said, your your industry, the market you're in, you don't require you know mass X. You guys aren't a mass excavation company. You're not moving you know mountains of dirt. Right. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I have I have my PC 138 because I need to lift heavy shit. That's literally the only reason why we have it. I need to be able to set concrete septic tanks, big manholes. I need to be able to dig deep for sewer and water. And that's it. Yeah. That's that's why we have it. Do you You guys have is it like specialized licensing to do a lot of like your plumbing stuff? 
So I, I wish we did in a sense, because it would make my life easier. So like on the septic side, yep. all the counties around me, except for maybe, except for mine and two others, I think there's six or seven counties around me and they all require all the licenses. I mean, you need a license to fart. So the work in those counties is very nice. It's good. It's good work. It's high paying. It's high end clientele. It's good work. When you come into my world, my county or, or the counties, the other two counties I'm talking about, the work is not as nice. It's not as high end. It's not as sought after because anybody can do it. Really? You know, and if I go in and a septic system is going to cost me $50,000 to install, if I want 50 grand to install it, there's a woodchuck down the road with, with a 1985 case backup that will put it in for 30 grand. The material costs 25. Yeah. So he's just trying to make it for five. Yeah. Like yeah. We, we did, we had huge floods. We had, yeah. we had huge amounts of rain. I think we got seven, eight, nine inches of rain in like two hours. Jesus. And it took out, it took out, uh, a large section of a military base made a huge mess up there. The town around the military base got decimated. Um, I mean, it's, it's coming back together now, but when it first started, it was bad. It was scary. A woman, a woman lost her life. Oh, wow. Uh, terrible, terrible. Her dog survived. She, she passed. It just, it was not, not a good situation. And we literally spent the entire time on the military base, power washing basements, and sweeping roads. Really? Their mini load. We didn't touch a hoe for a week and a half. We went and looked at a bunch of different work around there. And a couple of the jobs, I'll send, I'll send you guys the pictures. A couple of the jobs, there was a big washout. The, yeah. All the water from the town basically ended up in these people's yard. It was probably a five or 6,000 yard washout. It was terrible. Oh, wow. So we give them a price. We give them a do not exceed. They tell us to do it. We start mobilizing equipment, making plans, moving moving things around, making things happen. Uh, the 138, the 80, the skid steer, a dozer, all this stuff was headed there Monday morning. It was Friday afternoon. All this stuff was headed there Friday afternoon or Monday morning. I was going to be running. We were going to have two low boys moving equipment all day. And the people called on Saturday morning at 8 a.m. and canceled. Nice. It was good. Yeah, it was nice. So I go by there later this week. This past week, I go by there earlier this week, and there's literally, I tried to take a picture of it, but the guy was standing in the driveway, so I didn't. Literally a 1985 case backhoe sitting in the driveway. Nice. And I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah, somebody will do it cheaper, and they found the guy to do it cheaper. Well, and it's, you know, you you want it, yeah, and you can do it cheaper, but you want it done now. You want it done in an emergency situation, and you want it done, you know, any way possible. Yeah. That's what we specialize in. That's how, that's what we can make work. Yeah. And, and, and you're going to, you're going to pay for that. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, would that fall under any type of insurance as well? So it's tough because believe it or not, flood insurance, which most people, it's almost impossible to get from what I understand. My wife is a realtor and the amount of times that we've had the flood insurance conversation is unreal. Really? He, mm. he, a flood and I might say this wrong, but you'll get the gist. A flood insurance only covers the structure. It doesn't cover the property around the structure. Really? So if their house got wiped off the foundation, sure, it would be handled. 
but the hundred grand they're going to have to spend fixing their backyard, fixing no. their property, not. And we're not even talking about retaining walls and fancy stuff. We're talking about just filling the wall, the road, the the driveway back in, and making the yard passable again. Yeah, you know, it was a week's worth of work. Yeah, I can. I mean, I don't side with them because I hate the people that are the cheap doers, but. I can definitely see why they're like, Hey, I found somebody to do it cheaper to where, you know, I, that's definitely an emergency service. I agree. But then when they're paying out of pocket, they're going to penny pinch the hell out of you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's you know. where it's, that's where it's real difficult yeah. because you want to, you want to do the right thing for people, but you also want to meet their expectation and their need. Mm-hmm. So to meet your, their expectation and their needs, sometimes you have to throw everything you have at it. And that's going to cost money. And people yeah. don't realize that. They'll tell you, hey, I need this done right away. Oh, my God, I need this fixed. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, okay, Mr. Payne, we got you. And then they talk to their neighbor, and their neighbor will come and do it with the case back out for half that, but it takes six months for them to fix it. Correct. It's it's apples and oranges. Yeah. It's like, it's it's like getting a It's just not going to work. Do you find yourself, like, fixing a lot of that work, too? Uh, like, coming back and fixing it, or...? We don't get that many phone calls. Thankfully, we don't have so yeah. this sound kind of screwed up because I I do very well in emergent situations. Yeah. But the we don't thankfully we don't get a lot of that. You know, we don't get a lot of natural disasters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say since I've been in business, there's probably been four or five. Yeah. Every two years, let's say, every three years we get one. Um so to go back and fix that kind of work, no. Um, but what we we have been getting is a lot of people trying to do sewer and water, yeah, and screwing it up pretty bad, yeah. And then we give the price to fix it, and the people want to jump out windows, right? Because don't they have to pay more in that case? Because you have to like dig it out, fix mm-hmm. it, then do it all again. And so I feel like yet it's more than if you would have just come out there and done it in the first place. Yeah, out of principle sometimes. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of times it's like, yeah, we'll take care of it, whatever. I see. But then sometimes out of principle, it's like, well, this is going to cost you double just because. Depends who they are. Yeah. We've been there. Yeah. And it, it's, it's tough too, because you have to, you have to make, you, you have to make hay when the sun shines. Yeah. So yeah. When, you have a, when you have a situation where you can make a little, when you can make 10 or 15% more than you normally would, you, you have to take it. Being in business, you have to do it. And, you know, it, it's hard to, it's hard to always be a hundred percent fair and a hundred percent, you know, level when, when sometimes you just have to do what you have to do. And sometimes the situation, sometimes the situation calls for it. Yeah. And I think that's a different way to say that because situations are definitely situational. It's not so much that you're not being fair. It's just like, if you need this done in the next 10 minutes, like I will mobilize at three in the morning, we'll head out there, but that comes at a cost. And so, and also there's a whole lot you've invested into your team and your brand and your reputation. And so it's not that it's not fair, but you also set your prices and you, you set them before you go out. Like you tell them, this is how much it's going to cost. And you can still say yes or no. And so I know Luke and I have talked about that. Like um, it's worth as much as somebody's willing to pay for it. And so they have that information. They know who you are. They know the price. They say yes. And somebody will do it for half. Like that's on them essentially. 
And that's, we've, we've gotten very involved with our lawyer over the last 12 months, contracts and negotiation tactics and, and things like that. And, and, you know, a, a bulletproof contract is really just a nice thing. Okay. So I'm going to stop you there. Cause I think Luke, that's something we haven't talked a whole lot about contracts spit spit some facts here like what are some negotiating tactics what like what are you doing to this contract that makes it bulletproof like what have what discussions have you had with your lawyer i'll send you i'll send you guys the contract so you can look at it but the basically what he's explained to me and he's a lot smarter than i am but what he's what he's (laughs) my lawyer's pretty sharp guy Um, hopefully he listens to this and i get a discount anyway you have to send it to um, him the uh I've sent him the last one and he probably didn't listen. The basically the negotiation tactic is that there is no negotiation. The what the contract says is what's expected. So if you if if I'm going to do a job for 10,000 bucks, I want to be paid the $10,000, these are the conditions in which I'm going to charge you more, these are the conditions in which we're going to charge you less, which there never are any of those. And then so on and so forth. So you, the, the first thing that I learned from him was there is no negotiation. Yeah. They sign it or we move on. Because at the, at the point, at the point where litigation happens, it's, you have to be protected. Do you, for your jobs, do you, uh, what's your process? Like, do you get half up front 33% or like, how does that work? Cause I know I was just listening to, um, Trent Harris's podcast and they're more on the residential side and they're kind of talking about how they go out and they don't take any money up front until the project is done. And he said they've gotten lucky so far. And I don't know if that was just me, but I was just like, Oh, it's going to hit them so hard. And so we were just on the phone yesterday. And so obviously I listened to the podcast and talked to him and we're just talking through some of those strategies. So I'm just curious, like, how do you do it? And like, how do you get paid? Um, oh, it depends. Like if I was coming to work at your house, like there would clearly be no issue, even if I didn't know you. So I'm a pretty good judge of character. If I have any inkling that you're going to be a problem, chances are, I'm not going to work for you period. But if I do decide to work for you, you're going to sign my contract and then you're going to give me half up front. 90% of my clients, I take money when we're done. I see. Just like a check. Small, yeah, just take a check. Smaller residential projects, I'd say under 15 grand, you know, where I'm in and out in a day or two. I won't take any money up front, especially if I if I know you. Um, anything over anything over 15 grand, I'm gonna go to the contract. Yeah. Then you're gonna give me half up front. I'm Luke, opposite. I was gonna I, say, Luke, what are your thoughts on that? I, any any residential project, I don't care what it is. I will, I don't care if I know you. I don't care if I don't know you, I'm taking half, right? And then I'm going back to the contract as well, just because our areas, our area is weird. People will, people will be your best friend. And then after you're done, they'll fucking block your number and ghost you. You know, so I don't trust anybody until I have a signed check in my hand. Right. So I'm always, I'm always half up front with obviously the commercial side. You can't do that with like home builders. You can't do that, but that's where if somebody fucks you, you nix them, never work for them again. You know, that's, that's your tuition paid, basically tuition learned. So I had a customer just, I don't even know if I told you about this, Luke. I had, uh, I had a customer, we did a sewer line for him. He called on a Friday afternoon. We got there. uh, It was a referral from a very trusted plumber that we work for a very good friend of mine. And we got there at, I don't know, 11 o'clock in the morning. 
afternoon, whatever. And we worked till 8.30 at night working on the sewer. It was at a, it was at a restaurant in a town right, right down the road from my house. And this guy's a real piece of shit. He, uh, long story short, we were, we, we get the restaurant back up and running. We didn't get, we barely got any sewage on the floor where all the product was like the, the cleanup was minimal. We brought a pump truck in and we drilled a hole in the clean out cap with the pump truck. And we were pumping the water through a half inch hole with the clean out and the entire building was back. It took hours, but we didn't want any sewage on the floor. So that's, that's, that's something that we do too. Like it's, it's, we're, we're a little bit different. We're in, in, in terms of excavators, like that we think about things like that, the mechanical end of it. So we spent hours, we got them up and running. Things went great. Paid me with a credit card. Three weeks later, oh no! Called, I think I told you about this. Called Amex and told them that they didn't get the services. We sent all the pictures, the con, the the signed invoice because I didn't do a contract with him because he came referred, and we, um, actually I wasn't doing contracts up until that point, but that's another story. So, long story short, we sent in all the information to to Amex. And Amex said, go scratch. Our client keeps his money. So I'm out $14,000. Because he called him and said, yeah, they didn't provide the service. Yep. Nice. Yep. Nice. So so you, all the pictures, you take your pump truck and pump it all over his fucking floor? I would love <laughs> to. That's what I would have so, done. So he's a, he's a golf pro, and I hope he hears this. He's a golf, golf pro and uh, lives in his parents' house, too. Um, nice. Yeah, forty-year-old man, big, big, big shot. Continue. Uh, what? I said continue. Yeah. So he, uh, he, uh, I wanted to rent. So they had this big golf tournament right after he did all this, and I wanted to rent one of those digital billboard trucks and just drive around the, around the country club during the golf tournament and talk about how he doesn't pay his bills. Hell yeah, that would have been I, so I, worth it. I wanted to do it so bad, so bad. But See, I, Doug, that's what I love about you. I feel like. And Luke, you too. I feel like you guys have, you have to have that edge to you when you're a business owner, because like you can be the person everybody likes, you can do all that shit. But when push comes to shove, like you have to like have that respect or like you have to get paid on time or there's certain things where you can't be a pushover. So, um, you know, I would say I'm, yeah, absolutely. repercussions with any business. So why would you not have them within your own? It's consequences. Yes. There's consequences all through your life. If you if if you drink and drive, if you finish your drink and you go get in your truck and you wreck it, the consequences of drinking and driving are you wrecking your truck. Correct. If you hire somebody to do a job and you don't pay that person and you're a real and you turn into a piece of shit, there's going to be consequences. And chances are the consequences are not going to come from me. They're going to come from the community who who now knows that you fucked a very reputable business. And nobody's going to want to do business with you anymore. No, you're not paying it's, your bills. And it's starting to happen. It's starting to happen. The things I hear about this person in just a short, I think it's only been three or four months since it happened. It's the guy is going downhill so fast. Good. It's unreal. And I don't even have to say a word. I can yeah. just so Doug, I kind of want to dive into that a little bit because that is actually one of my only situations I've had 
legally with somebody is a very similar situation where I paid you. Why do we have to talk about this right now? <laughs> no, it's not you. Trust me. <laughs> and, uh, but my thing, and I was talking to some of my coaches and, you know, Doug even thought about reaching out to you on this and this is a year ago, but, um, essentially like there comes a point where it's, is it even worth fighting? Like legally, you know, if it's like X amount, if it's 10 K and the person has a hundred people, he owes, 15 K to, you know, charities, all this shit. Like, I think that's kind of the advice I got. It's like, Luke, I would send a demand letter, but at the end of the day, it's not worth your time. Go out and make 10 times that in the next month and like, forget about it. So I, I feel like it's you guys like have, said before, it's a tuition payment. Yeah. That's, I took it as that. And the funny thing is we had a signed contract and what somebody told me is like, you can fight it, but you're just going to be stuck in court with this guy and it's like not going to be ideal you're going to be brought down and then sure maybe you might make it out make a few thousand bucks after everything's said and done but is that worth it i would much rather lose the money and get shit talking rights for the rest of my life i would much rather like see that guy in the grocery store and be like hey dickhead remember that time you didn't pay your bills i knew hey guys this is so and so this is what he did and that's the kind of thing to me that's worth more than money. Now yeah. that being said, there's plenty of people out there that think that I've do, I've done them wrong. Mm-hmm. They they do they do things like that, you know. And then there's I told you guys about the guy who had a billboard in his yard. Oh, was that in the other podcast? Yeah, I told you about that guy. Mm-hmm. And maybe I didn't. So we did a we did a job for a guy, and he we did the job and he still had the same problem as when we did the job. So, okay. We screwed something up. So we go back, meet the guy was irate screaming and yelling at me on the phone, screaming and yelling at my office manager at the time. And he, we go back and we're like, yep, there's a problem. Give us a minute. We'll get it dug up. So one thing led into another winter, all kinds of weather and all kinds of issues and whatever. Um, and him being an asshole. When, when somebody's an asshole to me, I just have this, there's like this switch in my head that just turns them off and they're just done. Like it's, it's terrible. It's like the, it's like, it's going to be the, it's going to be the trait that, that does me in because I'm just going to, it's just going to do me in because I just can't help myself. And so we, a couple months go by, whatever. And all of a sudden I get a charge back in the credit card. The guy took $8,700 back on the credit card. And I said, all right, well, we're done. You got your money back. We're done. Like, I'm not coming back to fix it. We're done. I didn't hear from the guy for months. Then all of a sudden, he's on every living in such and such town page in Cornwall, talking all kinds of shit, putting videos up of all our work, which didn't look that bad. And all these problems and all making this huge, big, huge thing. And then I start getting pictures of a piece of plywood that he, that he spray painted black rocks, a crook on in his front yard. <laughs> Do you know how much work I've gotten because of this idiot? Hopefully a lot. A ton. Oh man. I'm sitting, I'm sitting in this building because of the work that this guy has gotten me because he can't just keep his mouth shut. That's hilarious. BlackRock is a crook. Blackrockdigs.com. Here's his phone number. Give yeah. him a call. Brandy, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and, and could I have handled that better? Maybe, probably a hundred percent, 
you know, but at the end of the day, I did agree to go back and fix. He flies off the handle and I decide not to put myself in that situation. That's my prerogative as a business owner. And that's something that I think people need to learn is that just because you do something wrong doesn't give the other person the right to talk to you however they want to do whatever they want. They still have to treat you with respect because you're still performing a service. You're still standing behind your word. You're still trying to do the right thing. And if somebody's going to scream and yell and jump up and down at you the entire time, there's nothing you could do for those people. You're not going to make them happy anyway. No, nothing will make them happy. I do want to say though, kind of backing up a little bit, fighting out a principle, there is a time and there is a place to do it. Right. When you, when you're talking those legal battles, when you're, when you're talking of, you know, this person fucked me and you have the option to take it to them nine times out of 10, I will take that. Right. Not to be, not to, not to shit on that person. Right. But if you do me wrong, guess what? I can, I can put some time to make sure I get it. I get it back basically. Right. Mm -hmm. You do me wrong. I'll fuck you over. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Legally. Not, you know, not shadily, but legally, yeah. I will take the legal steps to make sure that you hurt from this. And I, I'm the kind of guy, and I, and I agree with that. And I haven't been in a situation where me just standing my ground and staying quiet hasn't done exactly that. Yeah. <clears throat> I will get in a situation where I am going to have to go to court. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have to fight like hell out of principle. Yep. I don't care about the money. I don't care what people have to say because people have said it all and done it all. But out of principle, I will, you, you, that's a very, I will have to fight one day. Yep. Just, yep. just because, and it's, it's coming. I think yeah. everybody does. I think it's just yep. part of having a backbone, right. And part of representing your business, right. And trying to uphold, you know, a certain standard, right? I will give you the best I absolutely can, right? But if you fuck me along the process of while you're doing it, you will hear from me because I try to do everything right, right? I will, I will, I will go leaps and bounds to try to help you. And if the problem still occurs, sure, I'll refund you. But if there's, if it's opposite to where you fuck me, okay, game on buddy. And I'm petty. And, and, you know, I, oh yeah. I, especially, especially Luke with no courtesy spits. I mean, it's all oh, dude, straight up. Like there would, there would be no courtesy spits with that, but there's, there's instances all the time. And I hear people that are like, wow, you know, and the two and with me saying it's your tuition is great. Yes. There is instances to where you just say, yep, you take it as your tuition. You learn that lesson, you move on. But then there are other instances to where you really kind of do have to nut up and take that step to show like, Hey, I'm here in the long haul. I'm going to make it known that I am right in the situation and you're not. And the way of doing that is the legal process or the way of doing it, you know, is actually taking action on that person, you know, because Doug, as a, as a business owner, Luke, as a business owner, you cannot be stepped on. Yeah. Right. Because that will create a reputation for you. So to that point, yes, I agree a hundred percent. There are, there is something to, in these situations being quiet and letting people put their own feet in their mouths. People are smart. 99.9% of the American public are very, very, very smart. And they will see right through some jerk offs, bad review on Google. Correct. 
if they go 100 miles an hour about the color of the sky on the day that you did them wrong, nobody's paying attention to it. I think it's important for people to realize that in this culture of I want what I want, I want it now, and I want it to be perfect at all times, they need to realize that you're going to, as a contractor, you're going to screw up and you're going to deal with crazy people. It doesn't mean that you're a bad guy. It doesn't mean that you do bad work. It just means you have to pick your your clients better. Yeah. And Doug, I think you and Luke would attest to this is, you know, for other contractors listening, I think having that transparency in place where you're documenting your steps, you know, you're taking the photos, you have that contract in place and you are talking about the project up front and like, you know, detailing it out. Uh, it kind of relieves most of that like negligence that you could have. And then if you guys are doing your job, um, it's pretty clear of like who messed up or like, you know, who was in the wrong. And then you as a business owner, if you're like, yeah, this is clearly on us. I'll take the hit on that. But if it's clearly on them and you have everything documented, you should be good to go. I find it much easier to stand. I find it much easier to be a, more accountable. So if I come in and I, and I'm documenting, like you said, and I'm documenting, I'm taking pictures and I'm having my meetings and I'm getting all my paperwork and my contracts and all that stuff. And there is an issue. I find it much easier for me to go back through all that and figure out whose problem it is. And it also helps hold me accountable too. Because I can't just say, oh, no, that's not our problem. It's yours. Well, it's right here. Like, Doug, you screwed this up. Yep. Like, go fix it. You know what Which I mean? Happens. Do the right thing and fix it. There's not a lot of gray areas. There's a lot of black and white areas. Gray areas come from people trying to mesh the two, right? But if you, if you, if you take that 10,000-foot view, see the blocker, it's white, right? Remove yeah. your emotion. Remove basically yourself and state the facts and it'll be very black and white. And that's the same with, that's the same with employees hiring and firing. That's the same with your relationships at home. That's the same with your business. Take the emotion out of it. And it's easy. Mm -hmm. What things get complicated when we don't, when we get too emotional. I I could do a whole podcast on that because Cole and I talk about that daily, just removing emotion. It's, it's, and, and it's very tough. It is tough to do that. It's, it's tough because you want to be a good person and society teaches you to, to have feelings and care and do all this, you know, to, to care that, that Luke is upset that he feels like he got a bad job. Well, if I have all the facts that Luke didn't get a bad job, I don't care. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So got to jump in, Doug. This is the second time we've had you on the podcast. Uh, I never really introduced Doug. Yeah, so I was going to do this about 20 minutes ago, but I forgot. So uh, anyone listening right now, we've got Doug Castles, owner of BlackRock Excavating out of New York. Um, And if any of you are have listened to the Dirtbags podcast, you've heard his podcast. We did it in March um, and it was it was our first ever uh, live podcast in Las Vegas at Con Expo. Um, huge shout out to AEM for giving us a full co- podcast booth. Um, but damn, I don't love the the live podcast. I thought I would, but the logistics that go behind it compared to what we're doing now uh, was so difficult. So I'm very thankful we had Brandon there manning everything, but there was 
so many details and shit going on that I couldn't even focus. And Doug, uh, I'm just glad that you wanted to jump back on again because your episode blew up and I'm like, man, we didn't even do this man any justice. So thank you for being on again. And, uh, you know, we're excited to, you know, keep diving in here. I don't know. He's been, there we go. Good job, Luke. (laughs) There we go. Thank you. That's all I was looking for. (laughs) Doug was muted for a little bit, but he's back on air. Welcome, Doug. Um, Times Doug, so I got one thing you and I talked about that I thought was very intriguing. Um, and this was a couple months ago. So, and you mentioned it earlier, you're sitting in a building right now. So I am very curious how, and I'm, I know a lot of other people are, um, you purchased a building, you purchased a shop. How has that process been? What have you gone through? Any advice? And then Luke, I'm curious to hear your thoughts because uh, you may have a different situation. Uh, but just as, as you guys grow and like make those decisions, like when does it make sense? Does it make sense? What are options? Things like that. Um, it was emotional. It's, you know, I, I, if anybody listened to the last podcast, I was, you know, the king of fucking up. And uh, I never thought I never in a million years thought that I'd be sitting in a, 6,000 square foot building on six and a half acres with my name on the side. Wow. I, mean, I always had the dream. I always had the, the ambition and the drive, but I didn't think that I'd ever have the credibility or the, the cloud or whatever the word is to, to say, yeah, I'm going to buy that building and you're going to sell it to me. And this is, you know, um, for the record, that's not how the conversation went at all. It was more like, Hey, can I buy your building, please? Hey there. <laughs> Um, hi, my name's Doug and I'm here to sell <laughs> by your building. Um, the, it was interesting. So we started looking at the building in April of April or May of 2022 last year. Uh, we wanted to close right away, you know, typical three, three, four month closing, uh, asked the town. So there was an excavation company here before me. And uh, and a tank lining business. So what they what they did was they uh, dug up old gas tanks, cleaned them out, lined them with fiberglass, buried them again. Um, nothing was ever done on site. So, but we asked the town for permission to be here because you know you have to get a CO or whatever if you know if you're going to transfer ownership or whatever. And the town was like, no. So basically, I had to pick up a a, a battle with the zoning board. Without going into too much detail, I had to pick up a battle with the zoning board that the previous owner was trying to fight Uh, and basically was, is this business allowed to operate on this property? Long story short, we, after, I want to say it was four or five months of, of back and forth with the zoning board and lawyers and a lot of emotion and what ifs and whatnot, uh, we finally got approval to, to do so. So now that whole process took five or six months and, you know, $30,000 or whatever it was. And we had to now close on a building. So I went to the owner and I was like, um, I can't close yet. So can we maybe push this off? And he was like, yeah, I guess so. Um, so we rented the building for six months from yep. the owner. Um and then finally we're able to close in June. Um, we had to come up with a sizable amount of money for a down payment, um, plus the rent, plus renovations, 
plus moving, plus getting used to a business in a different location. I ran my business out of my house for years. Yeah. Now I'm 20 minutes from my house and everything's here and nothing's there and it's all confusing. Um, so there was a lot, there was a lot of emotion. There was a lot of long days. I think last week was probably the first Sunday that I'd had off in six months. Nice. Um, at some point I'm always here, you know, I'm always, I don't have an office in my house. That's why I'm here. Um, the internet's better here too. Um, but it's, it's a big step and, uh, it's an exciting step, but it's, it's been an emotional, mental roller coaster for sure. Definitely. That's a, it's a big purchase, right? It's, it's massive. Cause that's, you know, establishing your home base basically. Yeah. And you don't, you don't want to do it twice. That's one that you, you know, realistically only want to do once. Uh, I'm going to do it again. And it's going to be three times as big, but no <laughs> soon. <laughs> yeah. When, you know, when, when you're, when you're scaling allows for that. Right. But like, at, if you if you look at the present and where you're at, right, that is your home base for that present time. And obviously, you're going to build towards, you know, more and bigger, better, that type of thing. But yeah. Yeah. So, Doug, are you going to get the uh, the dirtbags flag to hang on the flagpole outside? Or what are you thinking? Anyone? So I want to put I want to put a flagpole up. I don't know where to put it. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Sure. Sure. Luke, send me one. All right. Sweet. Maybe it's just a picture of my face on the flag. <laughs> I'd well, fly that. We don't have a flagpole, but I'd fly it. It'll be in the same box as my Western hat that was supposed to come like six months ago. I think BlackRock stuff was supposed to come as well. I'm still waiting on that box. I did send it to Luke Agelbrot and he's got it. So you can get it from him. See, he even doubts it. He doubts it. I don't think so, Doug. I think we're both playing that string right now. It's, I'm it's waiting probably on your a good, box. You're waiting on mine. It's probably a good thing we're not live right now because I'd have to stand in the middle of this. Um, I actually went, I actually went to the closet, like right after we talked to put that whole box together for you and had no hats, no t-shirts, nothing. Same. Luke, you're going to get like Doug's t-shirt that he's wearing right now. Like, hey, I'd take it. Doug, I'll give you mine. Mine's a, <laughs> mine's a XL. That was mine. All right. Perfect. I'll send it yeah. to you tonight. I'll send you a picture. Probably he's actually a, not tonight. Cause I he's won't got a medium in there. Do you have, good. um, Luke Payne, do you have a shop or do you, what, how do you, well, we, yeah, we rent. So out of Fargo, we've got an office that we've rent and then we rent, I think it's like 8,000 square feet. So where we're at land is so expensive and then building is even more expensive. So we can get pretty good rental rates on, you know, two, three year leases. And I, right now I would rather do that than front out a bunch of cash towards a building that's going to house the equipment instead of, you know, our equipment plan, I want the equipment to where I already have something to house it in, if that makes sense. I would rather put it towards the equipment than to house the equipment. I could care less about my shop. I could care less about my office. I get my shit done and then that's it. Well, that's how, that's how we were operating for a long time. So we rented an off, we rented multiple offices over the years. Um, and then everything was in my backyard. I had a 30 by 40 pole barn that we ran the business out of and it, and it worked but then we started to grow and we started to scale and more and more things needed to be inside yeah said so we were not really an equipment heavy business per mm -hmm. a lot of our equip a lot of the equipment that we use daily are trucks septic yeah. trucks tankers you know we have the big kenworth service truck now with a crane we have i think we have three service trucks now so all that stuff needs to stay inside 
and stay dry and not full of snow and all of that because that takes so much time. Just yeah. clean snow off trucks takes a ridiculous amount of time every single time it snows. I can't even imagine on a service truck. That would that would be pretty painful. Well, you end up you end up with everything in the back covered in snow and you're trying to yeah. dig it, take in everything. It's just it doesn't work. No. To, we had to get I was going to build a bigger pole barn at my house and do a couple of things there. And then I, you know, I live on a private dirt road that I can't get a low boy or anything into. And as I grow and as we get bigger, I'm going to need those things. And it was just, I was, you know, I was presented with this opportunity and just took it. It's just time to do it. Yeah. I don't know if the right time per se, but it was, it was an opportunity and I took it and I don't regret it. Most opportunities are ones that either act upon or you don't, and you don't know if they're the right decision until you take the jump. Right. So you just, you just kind of make it work with where you're at. Well, even if it's the wrong decision, you just, you, you own it and you make it work. Yep. And you know, you move on, but again, it's, it goes back to accountability and that's. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the nature of the business too. I mean, you got to take some of these chances and take some of these, you know, I guess you could call them risks, but it's, it's to find that path that you're you know going down. And so if you didn't do anything to like stretch that in your whole business career, like you wouldn't get to where you're at now, both you and Luke. And uh, so, yeah, it's just like, you know, right now it feels a certain way, but in five years, when we look back, not saying it's going to be perfect, not saying it's going to be terrible, but that you're going to be somewhere in the middle. You're going to be able to learn from that decision, good or bad. Correct. Correct. And that's, and that's what I've learned is you have to, you have to be willing to learn from every, every, every decision you make has a lesson, good or bad. And you have to, you have to take something from everything that you do. And I take from this building is be careful what you wish for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause it'll come. Um, I don't want to cut anybody off, but Luke, I've got two kind of good topics that we were talking about pre-pre-podcasts, right? Doug, you had mentioned you're looking for people. I kind of want to dive into that, right? But then I also want to touch on a topic that I think you can relate really well with, and that's taking emotion out of decisions, mm -hmm. right? So I would, first, let's jump into the people thing. So obviously, as we jumped on right away, looking for people, what... What's the struggle? Can't find them. They show up and they want different responsibilities than what you told them. They're entitled. What do we got shaken? So I got a, I have an accountability problem with the people around me. Um, I think I do a pretty good job of, of being accountable and doing the right thing and, and, and doing my best to make the right moves. Um, there's a lot, there, there have been a lot of people in my organization in the last two and a half years that accountability is not their thing. You know, a couple of guys would screw up and I'd call them on their shit and try to work through it with them. And they'd literally get up and walk out. Yep. Um, you know, I have, I I've had people that, you know, are great out of the, I call them stallions. They're great out of the gate. And then after a couple laps, you know, in Kentucky, they're, they're dead and they just, they don't want to work and they don't want to listen and they don't want to do anything that that's productive. And then I've got ones that I, I've had employees that think that they are God's gift to excavating and, and the world, and they want a million dollars and all the perks and all the benefits, and they're not willing to do any of the extra work. So it's, there's a little, it's hard. And then I've had employees, you know, that are, that are, I had a 22 year old kid that basically ran my business. 
You know, he was, I would give him a list of shit that needed to get done and it would get done. And that kid was one of the best truck drivers I've ever met. He was one of the nicest people I've ever met. Um, but at the end of the day, he, he missed his family and decided that he needed to move down South and be with them. And, you know, the opportunities that, that were presented and coming down the pipe to him were not as important as being with his family. So I've really run the gambit of people. Yeah. I mean, Luke, Luke Eggerbrod knows some of the actual stories and I think he would attest that some of them will blow the roof off things if I was to talk about them. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, it's tough, man, because you know, I, you and I are obviously very close and maybe for people that are listening who don't know, you know, Doug, you and I have worked together now for, I don't know if it's a year and a half or a year, but it's yeah, a year and a half. And so it's, it's been a while now and, and, you know, we've become very close and yes, it's our second podcast together, but also like we probably talk once a week, I guess, you know, you'll call me like, and uh, you know, there, there, there'll be times where you're just like, you'll call me and be like, it wasn't a good day today. And, uh, you know, I just need to talk to somebody about it and I'll do the same to you. And so I think there's a lot of that. And I think we have accountability together, which is great because if I feel like we're kind of, you know, sometimes in the shit together. Um, but when you bring people yeah, inside your business, inside your culture, you, you try and give them so much without giving them too much. And it's just, a, it's, it's a struggle. I mean, it's stressful too. So it, Unfortunately, it's one of the biggest problems in construction right now. And especially, you know, you could say in your area and in your industry, it's even more difficult. But um, would you say that this has been the biggest issue you've had since owning a business? Or have there been others that have been way worse? Well, there's, you know, there's always the financial issue. There's always the, you know, not having enough work. There's always, in the, there's always yeah. you know, there's always that learning curve of, of but that's, that's the easy stuff compared to the to the employee issues. A lot of the a lot of the big issues that I see, I have it in my own company. I've talked to people about it. Luke Payne can and most likely attest this, and I'm sure you can too in your in your world. But the uh, I do a really good job of not over promising what I can deliver. I know what I can deliver. It's the opposite for me. I have employees that over promise what they can deliver, mm. what they're capable of. So you give them everything they want because you're a trusting person. And six months down the road, they haven't done shit except cause you a lot of aggravation. So that that happens a lot too, where people people overpromise to their employers. Yeah. What do you do, Luke, what do, you do in those situations? What do I do? Yeah. Bitch to my wife. Bitch to Luke. Hopefully. <laughs> Um, that's a good go that, honestly it's a good coping method but like actually like through the business do you keep them employed right do you do you have conversations with them or are you like you told me your skills are leaps and bounds of what you're showing me either you're bullshitting me or you just simply do not care why do i have you in my business so i have to get better at that i have to get better at the this is this is the problem I'm having as your employer. How are you going to fix it? You have two weeks to fix it. You have this long to fix it. I have to get better at that. That is as an employer, I think that that is my my downfall. I harbor a pretty good amount of resentment to the people who overpromise. Mm -hmm. I let it go on for too long. 
I have to get better at, but it's hard because there's nobody else to do the work. Correct. I shows up every day at six 30 in the morning. And you know, at least, you know, you got a hand, you got hands for a few hours. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it really is. It's hard. Yeah. That is a balancing act because it's, is it, but you're paying this guy, right? Say you're paying him 30 bucks an hour because what he promised you matches that wage rate, you know, or yeah, wage rate, but he doesn't perform at that level. Do you keep him there? You, so I refuse for, for whatever reason, I can't find it in me to tell, to sit a guy down and say, Hey, you told me you were X, Y, and Z. I gave you 30 bucks an hour. I can't pay you 30 bucks an hour. Here's 25. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you were to bump somebody down and pay, you would start building a resentment that there's no coming back from on the employee end. Mm-hmm. So I think at that point, it's best to have a conversation, get them to see if they'll step up, give them a timeline. And if they don't step up, then send them down the road. You gotta let them go. I think there's a lot of, I've had it in my own business where I've brought the same people back multiple times after them leaving because they never leave maliciously or vindictively. It's just, oh, I'm going to go try to do this. And then you call them up in six months and you're like, oh, I, I really, I could use you. Like we did a lot of good work together. And then six months, then they're here and everything's great. And then six months down the road, they're, they're out again. So yeah. that's something too, that I think that a lot of people need to learn is that if somebody leaves, there's a good chance that they're, they, 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 there's a reason why they left. They need to be gone. Yeah. You know, there's, there's maybe two employees out of the 30 I've had in 15 years that I would bring back with open arms. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. A lot of the times our philosophy is if somebody leaves on, you know, a term and it's kind of a mutual thing, like, yep, thanks for your time, you know, go do your own thing or go do whatever. Now I probably won't take them back. Yeah. So I agree with you on that. But then to the second point, if you're paying, you know, again, back to the $30 an hour wage rate. Right. But if you're paying this guy 30 bucks an hour, right. But he's not stepping up. Is it worth keeping him because you can't find people? That's the other, that's the other piece of the, the other side of the coin. Like you can't find people. So how do you know? Like I had a guy, I had a guy just a few, uh, a week and a half ago. I don't know what happened. I don't know if he was high. I don't know if he was detoxing. I don't, I have no freaking idea what was wrong with this guy. He barely lasted an hour and I had to throw him in the truck and take him into town and (laughs) kick him out. Really? Because like, and I've known this guy for years, you know, and, and, like I've never in 15 years, I've never, ever had that situation. No. And that was a, that was a very, it was a, that was an upsetting thing for me because like, I don't live my life that way. I don't want to see people hurt. I don't want to see people hurting, you know, addiction, addiction is a, is a big thing for me. You know, I, I, I feel for people who, who are addicted and I've never had to deal with it on that level. I've dealt with it, you know, in my family and whatnot, but I've never dealt with it on, on that level where it comes out of nowhere and you have to make a split second decision for the betterment of your company, for the, for the stability of your company. Yeah. Really have to take somebody who, who needs you the most and tell them you're done. Yeah. 
And that, that was hard. That would be tough. But again, going back to our second point, removing emotion out of things. Exactly. Right. You know, how do you, how do you, that's what you do. You remove the emotion and you get through it. But yeah. you know, later that night when you're sitting there eating dinner and you're thinking about your day and you're talking to your wife about it and that stuff comes back up, mm-hmm. you know, you can't, it's hard. You have to remove your emotion in the, in the moment, in the moment. You can't do it after. Can't you have to, you have to, you have to process all that stuff or you just become a robot. And then at, at that point, what's the point in doing what we're trying to do, trying to Definitely. make a better place, mm-hmm. trying to, service trying to build things if if we're not human yeah yeah is the is the solution just to like have a bunch of kids and have them work for you kind of like Durbin? just said this to my mother today i called her up she's another one like i'll call her up and be like what motherfuckers i can't fuck it that's it it's all for sale i'm gonna go flip burgers at five guys fuck this i'm out and she knows that like she she'll just listen like okay you're done And I said to her, mom, I can see why guys in my business have 47 kids from seven different wives because they need the workers. You know, like, look at Dervin, like that dude, that's the type of business. He does the same kind of work we do. We do a little bit more commercial industrial, but he does the same kind of work we do. We have the same exact equipment, all different brands, but the same exact equipment, the same exact shop, the same exact standard if you will, the same exact branding, like it's the same companies, but he has no workforce problems because he's got 47 kids. <laughs> they all look the same. You don't know which one's which, but they all work at pump this septic or whatever he calls himself today. And, the- uh, and, and for anyone that doesn't know Durbin, Luke, we just did a podcast episode with him, which was electric. It was actually, it was actually very cool. We dove into that. So obviously Durbin's listening, you know, we dive into workforce with Durbin and like how cool it is that his kids actually want to work. And, uh, but yeah, it's like, you know, we're kind of joking about it kind of not, but it's like, what a great opportunity for the kids, but also like they have to earn it as well. And so it seems like they're hungry for it. And then you look at it from the business owner side and you're like, dang, these are some great employees that can also kind of, you know, do the dishes at home and stuff. So yeah, it's, uh, it's like, I get to tell them what to do on and off the field type thing. <laughs> it's like the coaches there, the dad being the coach. It's, I, but, but I guarantee you, if you got down into the brass tacks of it with Durbin, he'd say, my kids drive me nuts because I, they, I'm sure they get away with things that a normal employee wouldn't get away with. I'm sure. I'm going to, I'm going to stop over here at Charlie's house and do this on my way back through. I'll be back in 20 minutes. Uh, uh, no. Uh, okay. Okay. Your mom will beat my ass if I don't say yes. Yeah. There's there. I'm sure there's a lot of frustration with that too. But I bet there's, I bet there's different respect levels as well. Right. For not like for say it, take it in like a son standpoint. My dad asked me to do this. I need to make sure it's done right right for his business because of that relationship piece and you've grown up in it you know how hard your dad's worked you know what it's taken you know how how many times your dad had to get up at three o'clock in the morning in two feet of snow to go pump mrs smith's septic system and she didn't even have any money to pay him and dad didn't even have money to put shoes on her feet like that's that's the kind of thing that isn't 
taught. It's bred. It's 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 what we're missing. It's observed. Observed. It's it's leadership. You know, I bet you you walk into Durban shop and the place is spotless. I'll bet you you get. I'll bet you you you. I'll bet you every part of of Durban's life is spotless, and it's because it's been taught. It's been observed. Mm-hmm. Every single person who know who works for him knows how Durban wants, and that's how it used to be here. I used to have. I used to tell you all the time that I had a SEAL team working for me. They all respected me. They all were my friends. They all were my buddies. And they knew exactly how Doug wanted it. And that's how it got done. Now, I the other day, I went to get go to a job to dig, and I had to dig up the top of the septic tank. And I have a, like a regular cab pickup that I drive that has tools in it, full set of tools. And I could do anything I need to do. I go to, I go to dig up the septic tank and there's no shovel in the back of the truck. Well, where's the shovel? Using your hands? I didn't take it out. <laughs> Each truck has color-coded tools. Guess where I found the blue shovel? In the red truck. You know what I mean? And there was four shovels in the back of the other service truck. Well, why did that happen? Because people don't care. People just throw things where they need to go just so they can they can get home, so they can be done, because they don't want to put in the extra work. It's there needs to be a standard set and there needs to be kind of what we talked about earlier repercussions and, you know, basically repercussions if you don't follow those standards, because I I don't think there's a lot of people that do that anymore because there's, there's different factors here and hear me out. Like we had just talked about people are scared about losing their people. So they are a little bit more lenient on them. Do we agree? Yep. Yes. And with people having more leniency, they get away with a lot more to where that standard is not upheld. Correct. I'm living it now. Yeah. I think a lot of people are living it now. I I think there's a lot of people that are scared to lose their workforce because they know they are very hard to replace and they just kind of put up with them. I I don't want to say put up with them, put up with that mentality as like in the meantime type. I'd agree with that hundred percent. That's exactly, I, I've got good people working for me on all avenues of my business, but that's exactly what I'm dealing with. If the people that I had working for me two years ago saw the people that were working for me now, they'd fire them. Okay. Let me ask you what changed the two years, short time frame. what changed in those two years? Me. Okay. What about you? Is it your process? Is it your? It has nothing to do with business. Well, it does, but let me start with this. I started working out. I started, I started taking care of myself. I started almost demanding that the people around me start taking care of themselves. I, I raised that standard from hard to harder. I, bought a building. I we grew the business to the point where it's at now. You know, we've doubled the revenue every year for the last 4 years. So, almost doubled it. So, I push harder and harder and get better and better every day. And people people hit their ceilings. And I try to push them through that ceiling because I know I can if they'll let. Mm-hmm. And they don't want anything to do with. It. They just they quit. They, they burn out, they, 
they go from thinking I'm a great guy to I'm an asshole because I'm holding them accountable. It's at the end to answer your question, what changed is me. Yeah, I like this, right? Hear me out on this one. Is it your job to improve their lives? I struggle with this every single day. No, it's not my job. But why am I doing what I'm doing if the people with me don't have good lives? I'm not talking like, you know, lives at home, right? I'm talking like you said, working out, trying to improve their lives. I do think as an employer, an employer should give the opportunities for improvement. I don't think it is their responsibility to hold them accountable to the improvement with their lives, right? I do think it is their responsibility to hold them accountable through actions at work, but outside of work, I can't control you. I don't own you. I'll give you what you let me give you. I'll, you, you know, open up to me, talk to me, whatever you got to tell me you want to work out. Okay. How can we, how can we make that happen for you? Right. But is it your responsibility to make that person do those? No. No, but I think that we as strong men, as leaders, I think that we do have a responsibility to do our best to make, whether it's at work or home or wherever, to make people around us better, especially men. Mm -hmm. Whole problem with what we're dealing with now is that we don't have strong men. I forgot the, the, I forgot the, uh, the statistic, but most households between a certain age range were raised by divorced women. It's not our responsibility to improve people's lives, but it is our responsibility to try to guide people to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that regardless of, of employees or personal, it doesn't matter. I think we have to lead, live a certain life and lead by example. Mm-hmm. And we have to try to bring people with us because if we don't, the strong American male is going to disappear. Mm-hmm. When it does, we're going to be in big trouble. I agree. I, I fully agree with you. But going back to the point of business has changed in the last two years, right? Do you think you've spent do you think you've spent more time worrying about how they can improve their lives instead of upholding that standard within the business? That's a good question. Because I, I understand what you're saying. I you want to give your people the best life possible. I 100 percent agree with that. But where is the line that people have to draw where it's business versus pleasure, right? It's this is my business. This is what needs to happen. If you continue to show results and you continue to show I'm a part of this business, I want to help this business grow, right? Compared to I want you to grow as a person. If I help you grow as a person, this is going to help my business type thing, right? Where Where's that line? I think that... I think that I don't think there's an actual line for that. I think that each person has a limit and I think it's important for people to know their limits. Mm-hmm. And that's something that a lot of people don't know. So like the the kid who was working for me, the, the young kid who moved down South, he would work eight days a week, 24 hours a day. If I said jump mm-hmm. and as an employer, I would push that envelope. 
because I will do, I will work eight days a week, 24 hours a day. Yep. I expect, you know, if he wants to, if he tells me, Hey, I want to do that too, then okay, buddy. And every time the phone rings, you're coming. But what was happening was he was getting burnt out mm-hmm. and didn't, he didn't know his limits and he didn't have the communicative skills to say to me, Hey man, I need some time. Yeah. By the time it came time for him to take some time, he was back in his shit and moving south. Mm-hmm. So it's a two way street. It's a, it's a very, it's, there's a very fine line and each person has a different limit. Yeah. And I feel like the limits are getting smaller and smaller as people's feelings get more and more involved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's tough, man. It's, it's, yeah, it is tough. No. And, and obviously this isn't me trying to interrogate you. I'm trying to play the devil's advocate because I feel like a lot of people have this problem, but they yeah. don't have the understanding as to why they have this problem. Right. Because you see a lot of people put out there, like we're a people-based company, you know, we want our people to have the best, you know, the best life possible. We're buying their gym memberships. We're paying for their healthcare. We're paying for their Cairo appointments, you know, but it's like, where Where's the, and again, like you said, there isn't a line, but where is it to where like I, as the business owner, have to understand that my business comes first? I think. Okay, so I I can I I don't know that I understood what you were saying before, but I do now. So over the last two years or so, I think I burned myself out on the employee side. I can't talk about the details here, mm-hmm. but it's. When I tell you that, I think it goes into expectations and then role responsibility it is in my opinion, from what I've seen, and I'll, I'll bring my business into it. I feel like I have to have a detailed job description for when I hire somebody and that is their job, right? That is the job that they're applying for. That is the job that they're getting hired for. Instead of, hey, you have this set of skills, come and join us, and then throwing whatever we can at their plate, right? That would that would bring that burnout to where I'm not, you know, I'm not blaming anybody, but I know I'm guilty of this to where I do not have that clear defined role for when I do take people on. Everybody says we're looking for great people. Okay, great. Every, you know, there's a lot of great people out there, but I'm looking for great people with this set of skills for this job. And I feel like maybe that would help with some of the hiring burden is more, more detail. So I'd agree, I'd agree with that. I never had a problem in the last two years that I never had a problem with people not doing their jobs, mm-hmm. being extra. Everybody did that. Mm-hmm. What I had a problem with was the personal side of things. Yep. Somebody need, somebody was already making more money than I'd ever paid anybody ever. And money was always an issue. Yeah. You know, you tell him that he needed to buy certain things for, for his time here and he never had any money, but he also wouldn't come to me and say, Hey, I need a little bit of a hand. Can you, can you take care of this one? Sure. Whatever you need. So there's a lot of, there, there was some of that, I, you know, a lot of what was happening was accountability. You know, somebody would screw up. I'd say, hey, you screwed up. There's how you screwed up. This is your this is your punishment or this is your reprimand. And they would say, well, fuck you. I'm out. Yeah. So I don't know that I don't know that there's anything I could have done 
differently. I don't know that there's anything the company did. I think it's, I think these are personal issues that, or, or, or character defects or flaws that these people are always going to have. And they always, they always seem to come out for me. They always seem to come out in six months and a year and a half. If I can get somebody past that six month, the next hurdle I have with them is between a year and a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. Are they more complex hurdles? Is it kind of like the six month is kind of like the honeymoon stage in a relationship to where they're giving you everything they possibly can. And then after that six months, they feel, Oh, I need a raise. Oh, I, you know, I've done this for the company. I deserve more, you know, I, it, that plays into entitlement 100%. But I know, again, you're not the only one that I've seen that I've seen that as well to where people in with, you know, even before that six month, they think that they're owed more than they really are. What do you do in that situation? When somebody, if I'm working for you and it's been six months and I'm okay. And I come to you and say, Hey, I, I need, you know, you're paying me 25 bucks an hour. I've been here six months. I want 30. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that conversation? The first question I would ask is, how are you worth 30 to me? I would put them on the spot. What do you do that constitutes a $5 an hour raise? What can you offer me more to help the business make that up? And if they can't answer it, to me, it's, they're not worth it, right? Or they're that five, they are worth it, right? Everybody's worth it, right? You know, let's clip that. Yeah, clip that one, but. There, but no, but you are not worth that $5 raise if you cannot show me the value that you're bringing with it. In my opinion. Again, it goes back to accountability. You hold yep. the person accountable for their, for their, for their actions, for their thoughts mm-hmm. and make them, you, you hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's a big, and I don't know about, I don't know about you, Luke, Broden, but do you run into that too, where, where in your business, you people and you're you're 99 remote if i'm not mistaken so you don't you don't see your people every day you don't have that microscope over them so when somebody comes to you and says hey i need x y and z how do you have that conversation yeah and what kind of metrics do you use to gauge that five dollar an hour raise or whatever yeah and for complete transparency to everyone listening you know we just hired our first full-time employee um about a month and a half ago and uh you know, we've always had full-time contractors on, so I would just contract them. And how I figured that pricing, I would take a look and say 30 bucks an hour sound good. And that would kind of just fluctuate their hours based on that. So I have that, uh, I guess, flexibility or that privilege to do that, which is a lot. It's a totally different conversation, of course, than construction because you you need them there full-time. So uh, digital marketing in the world is like the world of contracting. Like everyone's used to, yep, I contract with five other agencies. And so we bring them in, bring them into our systems and then we, you know, bring them our consistent clients. And so uh, when I hired, you know, Josie, uh, I basically took a look at what she was getting from other uh, final interviews that she was having from other agencies that were in person and, you know, kind of just your lame, boring agencies. And uh, I just went a little bit under that because I, I knew that I was giving her full remote working. Uh, she's been with me almost three years. So I was giving her, you know, not physical ownership of the company, but basically ownership to run it as she wants. And just that path to, you know, let's start you out, um, 
here at a good salary and she's not 26 yet. So I got to save a little bit on health insurance and that benefits package. And so I took that into account as well. Um, but we also have that, that growth pattern together. You know, we are matching our 401ks together because I'm an employee of Phaser now as well. Uh, we're an S-Corp. So essentially we are, and for complete transparency, we actually get paid the exact same. So uh, I can take extra distributions to make more, but I pay myself the exact same as Josie, who's my director of operations, who is essentially replacing me as the internal boss. So I think our uh, our financial goals line up very similarly because it's like, hey, if, if we can hit uh, seven figures, you know, this year, let's pay you more or, you know, let's bring on the next employee and pay them more. And so uh, I think that's how we've done it. That's what's helped. Uh, one other thing that I haven't told her yet, but I don't think she listens to the dirt peg, so I can say it. Um, she works remote. So what I did is I sent her a ton of phaser gear. So sent her that. What I'm also going to do starting next month, she doesn't know it. She's been crushing it. Um, I'm going to have a coffee shop card for her, basically a prepaid credit card that every single month I put money on there so she can go get out of her house and work wherever she wants at a coffee shop. Uh, so just random shit like that as like benefits. Equipment and coming to work for you because I could go on vacation and earn a living. I mean, Doug, we'd take you anytime. Couldn't handle me. No, I know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, I, I like talking about that, but especially like for everyone listening, like it's just a totally different industry, totally different market. And I could put out like on LinkedIn, I could put out a job posting and it'll max out in three hours. Like we'll have the max amount of applicants. And so it's just, it's totally different. We can work with anyone in the world and they don't have to get up off their couch. And so construction, like Luke and I are still trying to figure out like, you know, how can we like help this industry, like attract more people. And it's, it's kind of that never ending problem but there are people that are doing a much better job than some and so we're trying to learn from them as well you know do you think that there's do you think that there's a there's something about the big so for a while i had no problem hiring people when i was small i'm still small i'm on the big side of i'm on the big side of small now so and i'm getting ready to go into the next layer if you will why is it, why was it easier for me to, you can't even decide what you want to drink. He's had, he's has like four different ones by his fucking desk. You crazy. <laughs> sorry, sorry about it. Sorry. I won't be a distraction anymore. Just got to get a sip of water here. <laughs> so the, when I was smaller, it was much easier for me to find people. Now that I'm moving into medium size or small, large, or however you want to say it, it's harder. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it's so difficult for me to find it? Is it because I demand the, the the big company productivity and 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 personnel, but can't offer the same packages that the big companies can? Because I lose a lot to unions. I know 15 dudes that I could call tomorrow. If I could offer them what the unions offer them, they, they'd work here in a heartbeat. I don't. Why is it so hard in the middle? That's what I want to know. I think it's systems, right? Because when you're when you're smaller, it's kind of a fly as you go, right? You don't have as much overhead. You don't have 
as much payroll. You don't have as much, I don't want to say liability, but you're able to make things work on a smaller scale to a bigger scale, right? So I think systems really comes into play. When you when you get to that teetering point of I'm past small, but I'm not big, right? I'm in the middle. That's where people will either go big or small because there are those systems that aren't in place that you know we call them our building years. Your building years are what put those systems in places. That's what puts the people in the right places to help develop those systems. Those are very key times because you'll find the right people to stay with you you know, in those building years, because those systems probably aren't in place, but they're with you through that time of building to where, you know, okay, they are with the company, right? And a lot of people don't have the mentality of kind of sticking things out. Like we had talked about earlier, Doug, right? They want everything right now. They don't want to build. They don't want, it's it's the simplest answer. They do not want to build like people past us generation-wise did. Right. That's all people did. Right. If you were a construction worker or a handyman back in the 50s, you would make a killing. Now that skill set is not there. That mentality is not there because I'm going to blame social media. Social media gives instant gratification. Right. And people think that is owed to them. And I think that's the biggest problem. Yeah. And it's and it's entitlement. It's it's instant gratification. So how do you how do you that's not something that you can, you can battle. You can, I think you can, but you have to have a rock solid picture to paint, right? You as the leader, taking it back into the leader position, you have to show when you're in, we'll call it when you're in the shit, when you're in the middle, right? You have to paint the picture to your employees. Here's where we at. It is not going to be perfect. There's going to be fuck ups. There's going to be bad days. There's going to be good days. Right. But if we continue on and we continue to show up every day, here's where we can be. So to answer your question about what the difference is between Doug two years ago and Doug now. Yeah. I stopped doing that. You didn't paint your picture or you, you quit painting your picture. It very well. I painted it like a fucking Picasso two years ago and I got my people and things started moving forward and I stopped painting that picture. So those people all left for whatever reasons. And now the people that I have now, they've never had that picture painted. So they don't know what the expectation or the standard is. Mm-hmm. Well, there the, we go. The kid, the, the, you're fucking, you're a genius. Somebody, somebody give him a cake. The, the kid who, the kid who worked for me, let the kid who, the kid who just left the young kid that, that was amazing. He didn't want to come work here. He came for an interview because a mutual friend of ours told him to, two mutual friends told him to. He pulled into my shop at my house. I was away. He, he met with my foreman at the time and was like, I don't fucking work here. And what got him was when I told him that one day we'll be putting sewer lines down my 9W. Mm-hmm. And he's still in 9W is like a big highway. And he, there's, there's no sewer lines in 9W, but we'll put them there. The <laughs> Bill says that to me to this day. He'll say that to me. And that's what I stopped doing. I stopped holding the standard. I stopped painting the picture. And I stopped I stopped being that guy that wouldn't take shit. Wouldn't take anything less than the standard. Yeah, because that picture was gone. Because I got complacent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel, I, a lot of business owners do. And that that is what kills, I feel like, those middle-sized businesses that want to take that next step. 
right? They are, they're very immersed with growth and they, they almost need to, it's simple, right? You take the motion, you take the emotion out of it. There's a lot of work out there. Okay. Take on what you can challenge yourself, but at the same time, don't get so immersed in challenging yourself to where you stop painting that picture mm-hmm. on the employee side. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I have seen. Everybody comes to you wanting the probably not going to be wrong. I, okay. I've been wrong many times, but here's, here's what <laughs> I've seen in my experience. Everybody that wants a job, right? They're coming with that same mentality of I can provide this. I've got this much experience. I can do this for you. I can do this for you. Where half of it is probably bullshit, but they want everything right up front. They want the fancy trucks. They want full benefits. They want high salaries, whatever it might be, but they aren't willing to show you. What us as employers need to do is hold them to that, but then also paint a picture with them. Okay. You want this out of the company. The company needs to get this out of you because guess what? I hear people talk about other companies all the time. Oh, well, you know, this company is going under and because so-and-so and, you know, they're a bad company. Well, you were an employee of that company at one point. Okay. And for you to just hop ship and to move companies, whatever, that's fine. But how about you take a little pride in the company that you're at? Because that company can give you what you are wanting right? You want to make 120 grand a year. Okay. How can I work at this company to achieve that? What value can I bring to this company to achieve that $120,000 a year salary or whatever the case may be? But I think that standard needs to be set with a lot of employers on the employee side. Okay. This company is a for-profit business, but it's also a, you know, a for their employee business, but it has to be a two-way street. In a simple way of saying it, I guess. I just my own observation from what, again, Cole and I have these conversations all the time. How can we help our guys? But at the same time, how can we tell our guys that they need to uphold this standard and do what is tasked for them, you know, provide more value for the company when they can do that? Yes, you deserve more. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the Dirtbags podcast. Everybody have a good night. Luke Payne. Let's go, dude. I could go on rants about like the employee profile, I feel like. I don't know why, but I feel like I understand it because I am young and I understand wanting more and more and more as, you know, guys my age do. But I don't think there's a realization from a lot of them like, hey, I'm in control of this. If I take pride in what I do and I really show the company that I'm worth it, the company will take care of me. And again, it goes into painting that picture. Well, and that's and that's the kind of picture that I used to flat out say, "Hey, you got 150 grand a year? Cool, let's do it. Let's do it. I'll pay you whatever the hell you want. I don't care, as long as the company's making money and the bills are paid, and I'm making money, and I, I you know, whatever. Yeah, absolutely, spend it all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could, but you know, a lot it, easier to spend than make. Well, that's and that's my point. Like, I have no problem. You know, you tell me, hey, you know, that that kid came to me and said, hey, Doug, you know, if he he came to me and said, hey, Doug, you know, I, I really want to buy a house next year. I, I need to make one hundred ten thousand dollars to be able to buy a house because we live in New York and it's bullshit. But, uh, you know, how do I get there? Well, OK, OK, guy, this is how you get there. X, Y, Z. You do this. I'll give you whatever you want. 
but there needs that conversation needs to be two sided because I'm not a mind reader. I don't know what you're thinking. If you're my employee and you've got an issue or you have a need, my job, your job is to dig the holes and put the pipe in it. My job is to fill, put so much work on your plate that you never have to worry about a paycheck. And my job is to make sure that I can, I can provide for you the, the things that you need to, to take care of your family, to, ha, to, to, to feel like you're contributing. And, but you need to communicate that with me. And you can't just come to me and say, Hey, I make a hundred grand. I, I need a $10,000 raise because I've been here a year. Mm-hmm. Well, no, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, come to me and provide, I feel like, I feel like, like, one year interviews, you know, where you have your every six months, you sit down with your guys and you have your conversation. I feel like it needs to be reversed because it's always the employer that's talking to the employee. Well, why isn't the employee having a six month review with the owner? Like, hey, this is this is what I've done. This is where I fucked up. This is where I did good. This is how many days I took off. This is how many days I wanted to take off. This is how many, you know what I mean? Like, be honest, like, like paint a picture for me. That way I can help, you know, that we, you can help communication. Yeah. I, th- I think you need to create that space for them too, though. It's be like, Hey, in sick on June 1st, we're going to have this meeting where we're going to talk about everything you've done, right. Everything you've done wrong. So like come prepared with a plan. Like, what do you want to do in the next year and like help them paint that picture. But very constructive. Like, how can I be a better leader? How can, what am I doing? Right. You know, things like that. And so I think creating that space for the employee, you know, could really help in that sense. And it's, and it, it, it's not a hard, it's not a hard thing to, it's not a hard thing to do. It's not that picture for the employee is not a hard thing to do. What it is though, is that it's a consistent thing. You have to consistently paint that picture. Yeah sitting here i'm i'm sitting here it's 10 o'clock at night my time i'm exhausted right i'm falling asleep at the computer and all i'm thinking about is the asshole employees and all the problems i had today well realistically what i need to do is i need to shift my mindset and say well what went right today yeah but still you know what i mean you gotta look towards the positive even if something doesn't go right okay tomorrow's a new day what can we achieve tomorrow Right. And and, I, and the other thing, you know, I have to be less afraid of the people who work for me. You know, you, you do. You got something to say, say it. It's, it's your business. They don't yeah. like it. They're going to leave. They're going to leave whether they like it or not. It doesn't matter. There's nothing you can do about that. No. And at the end of the day, you have to you have to manage your own expectations and you have to take care of yourself in the sense that you have to give yourself what you need. Because you can't let all of the trials and tribulations of running a business eat you alive. And it'll, it'll eat you alive fast. So it makes people not want to be in business if they can't control it. Yeah. That's why I, I applied for a job with you. Come on over. We'll take you in a heartbeat. Come on over your skill set, buddy. Quit Doug. You're at least 22 bucks an hour. If you can show me that you're more. That's awesome, man. Sign me up. I mean, you'd have to triple it, but you know, sign me up. That's not, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. I'll have my people talk to your people. I don't have any people, so they're just going to have to talk to me. Me neither. So I was just going to say, I'll shoot you a text. So you know, it's tough too. You know, you feel like you're on top of the world. Mm-hmm. You think you, you finally got it licked. You finally got some direction. You finally got some momentum. You know, you're buying buildings, you're buying trucks, your credit scores through the roof, the money's in the bank. You know, you've got a good team of guys and it's gone. Mm-hmm.
Oh, there's no money in the bank. Credit score shit. You got the building, but man, was it stressful. And then there's all the people that were involved in my business. When I decided to buy the building, I went to them and I said, okay, guys, I have this opportunity. I want to do this. I, I, I want to do this for the company. I need to know that you guys are with me because I can't do it without you. Not a single one of them was here on closing day. Mm-hmm. Luke's there. You don't work for me. Dude, I mean, kind of. <laughs> I pay you to answer the phone when I call. <laughs> That's true. That's Luke true. sends you a bill every month and labels it friendship fees are due. Yeah. Phone That's call minutes. Month, just as a. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate that. Keeps the lights on over here. Oh, that's good. That's that was that was a big back to the building thing. You know, it's like, you know, you talk about taking the emotion out of everything. But when you have a big life changing accomplishment or milestone and the people as a business owner, the people that helped you get there aren't here. It's tough. It is tough. Yeah, it it makes it very tough. It makes it not even fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I went to the closing. I signed the papers. And I went back to work, you know, like I didn't, I didn't be like, I fucking did it. We, you know, my high fives, you know, congratulations. Let's, let's go, let's go grab some lunch. There was none of that. It was all cool because the people who were here now didn't know what it took to get there. Mm -hmm. One of the guys was my best friend for 15 years. He was around since the beginning. And he knows how hard I work and he knows how many hours I put in. And, you know, he used to walk right around with his, with his now wife on the weekends. And I, I swear to God, they would go get coffee and they would come find where I was working. They would just drive around till they found me because they knew that I was working mm-hmm. and he'd stop and he'd hand me a cup of coffee and he'd make fun of me for working on a Sunday, you know, and it's beautiful outside. He'd say, go get yourself a girlfriend, go, go do something. And I'd be like, no, man, I'm working. But like he knew, he knew how hard I'd work. And like, he was one of the only people that I wanted, you know, like I wanted him with me on this journey and he's not. And that's, it's hard. It's, it's you know, we talk about taking the emotion out, but you. That's you, hard to take the emotion out of. Hard. It's hard. And, you know, he, he left, he left about a year ago and we haven't spoken, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's, it's tough. And we used to talk, I mean, before he worked for me, we would talk a couple times a week, you know, his kids were my kids. You know, it was, it was a good, you know, we had, it was a great thing. And then whatever happened, happened. And, you know, it's, it's. Now you're here, you got a building and you're rocking it. Yeah. And Doug, I mean, it's, it's time to start painting that picture again. You know, that's after listening to you talk, it's just like, you know, with this crew that you have, like they don't have that picture right now, clearly. And they don't have that next building, you know, hypothetically that goal. And so let's start painting that again and like get everyone excited again and build your crew again to people that are going to be excited to hit that next milestone, hundred million dollars a year, probably. And, you know, then we're gonna, we're gonna crush it. Easy. Okay. hundred million dollars a year. I, I think I'd have a lot less hair. Yeah, uh, the the uh, you know I I think and and if you're if you're actively painting that picture and I can I can speak to this because I've done it I didn't even realize I was doing it at the time but when you're if you're actively painting that picture and people aren't responding then they gotta go because and you'll know right away you'll know right away if they're gonna respond if they're gonna do what needs to be done yep. because there's guidelines set and if they're not gonna meet the standards and follow the guidelines then you know you know, they're not going to make it. But when you don't have all of that, you have nothing to gauge them against. You don't know if they're good or bad. Correct. 
anybody can look like they're good until they have some sort of some sort of test or some sort of like you said gauge that's when you know it's it goes back to like high school or middle school like fitness tests i remember the presidential fitness award testing right if you didn't get a certain tier you were you got a red instead of a blue and nobody wanted a fucking red ribbon so yeah great i mean that's what i relate it to but yeah you need some sort of gauge Sure. Good stuff. So Luke, you got a lot of red ribbons. So um only I threw all my red ribbons out, but well, that's a different that's a that's, that's a, a different, different podcast. That's a different podcast. I hate um, it. Yeah. I mean, Doug, as we wrap up here, man, we appreciate it a ton. I feel like that just like flew by. I wrote down two, I don't I don't I figure I'd just ask you guys on the podcast, fighting out of principle and paint the picture. I can't decide which one the title is gonna be. I'd say paint the picture. I'd say paint. I was going to suggest paint the picture. That's damn good. So we're going to go with that. Doug, thanks a million, man. Thanks for being here. Second time recurring guest, recurring dirtbag. I know. Get you that flag. Yeah, get you the flag. I know everyone that listens is going to be like excited to follow the whole journey of you like on Instagram through everything and just to see like where you end up in next year, in two years, in five years and just like continue documenting that journey. So I think this is just like a a huge piece of this whole puzzle that you've been going through and like very exciting. Like we just appreciate, you know, you being open and honest and like, and Luke, I mean, you crushed it too with like how deep you dove into that. Like we talk about not being surface level on this podcast. Like, damn. I think Ryan's in his ear telling him what to say. Yeah, Riley's actually right over, right over here because she hears all my frustrations. But no, I mean, I from talking with Doug, I think everybody kind of goes through the same thing. And again, if you simplify it and you really take that step back of that ten thousand foot view, it's easy to see, right? There's no black and whites, or it's black and white, not gray. That might be a good. That might be a good podcast name too. Ten thousand foot view. Yeah. Yeah, I think paint the picture is I like paint the picture, smart. but I I do think there could be a conversation of really understanding how to look, you know, from that 10,000 feet. I haven't I in full dis, full disclosure, I haven't been looking at that 10,000 foot view. I've been looking at that what's right here. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 kicking my ass. Mm-hmm. And so I think I I need an I need an attitude adjustment. Absolutely. Altitude and attitude. Problem. Problem is never the problem. <laughs> the, damn. The problem is never, it's always with leadership. Yep. Never, it's never, because people don't want to disappoint. The problem is always with leadership. And yep. when they, when you have a leader, the problem's with leadership. Problem's with leadership. Absolutely. I'm going to go to bed now, guys. Dude, what a podcast. Let what me a out. podcast, boys. Doug, thank you. 